Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Venture Church. Hope you're all having a fabulous long weekend. I have this amazing opportunity to share the word this morning. Um, and I hope you're all super prepared for Friday. But first, first, let's get into, into the word. We are continuing the series in the apostolic, and I will be sharing today on women and couples in the apostolic. So a little background story. We joined Venture Church in 2014, and I was still very new to the NCMI way of thinking, which is, I mean, it's all biblical. It's not like some, it's all biblical. And I was also still super new to understanding the apostolic, that it's not just missionaries and mission trips, but that it really is a continuous coming and going. So shortly after we were added to this wonderful church, Michael had this opportunity to join a team going into the nations as someone couldn't go anymore. So he was super excited. I, on the other hand, not so much. I felt so abandoned and just overwhelmed with having to stay behind and keep the house fires burning and still working a full-time job. I think they left early the Thursday morning and by that Friday evening, I went to Francis and Nadine to probably mainly moan, as you do. And Francis in all his love and wisdom asked, do you see the apostolic as a blessing? And I angrily replied, no. And he then said, well, do you see the apostolic as a curse? To which I also angrily replied, no, and said, well, is that my only option? Are those two my only options? I've come a long way. I, uh, <laughs> I do accept the apostolic and I'm very excited when Michael does get to go into the nations or visit other churches, even when I cannot go along. So today I would like to show you in the scriptures why it's important for couples to go, as well as a single spouse and women, why women can go. I also would like to point out the importance of the community, the role that the community plays for those staying behind and those going into the nations. And when I say nations, I totally mean cities, provinces, other churches. Okay, that's the apostolic, is literally going wherever. I would like to thank Nadine, Maureen, Lisa, and Cindy Ann for your input in Women in the Apostolic, sharing your words of wisdom with me. And they are actually all four are a great example for women going. So into the scripture, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. I hope by the end of the series, we all have the scripture memorized. <laughs> then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely 
I will, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Luke 24, verse 46 to 48. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Acts 1, verse 12 to 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Thomas, Philip, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along, listen up ladies, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Verse 16. Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. Brothers and sisters. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. And it sounds to me like that means brothers and sisters. All of them, from verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now in Joel, from the Old Testament, 2 verse 28 to 32 says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. From on Mount, for on Mount Zion and Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. It would appear, yes, Joel is, Old Testament, Acts, all the Gospels, New Testament, it would appear that God had this plan all along to include both men and women in the Great Commission. All believers. Whoop, whoop! Everyone. No one is excluded. So, my dear sisters in Christ, we are equally expected to have a heart for the apostolic. We are equally gifted to go and we are equally equipped to go and encourage the churches. So what does this look like for single women or for women going? Now, neither man nor female does this alone. No one is called to do the apostolic alone. We 
are called to work in team. Throughout the New Testament, even Jesus calls us co-workers. So Paul calls us co-workers. And if you look at Paul's story, Paul never traveled alone. Even in prison, he wasn't alone because whoever was with him got captured with him. <laughs> never alone. So we cannot think for one second that we can do this alone. How does this look? How this looks is women go with a team of women or a team with men and women or as a couple. This is generally done with a blessing of your local church's leadership as well as the church that will receive you for accountability. We are not doing this alone. We are not on our own little mission. We do this under the blessing of our leadership and we go do it under the blessing of the leadership of the church that will be receiving us. The goal of the apostolic still remains to equip the churches. It is not for our glory, but all for Christ's glory. We are co-workers with Jesus. A great example of a woman in the Bible who embraced the apostolic is Lydia. I'm sure you've heard some of her stories. The lady who sold the purple cloth. <laughs> she was known for that. Let's look at Acts 16 from verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea called, uh, sailed, and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on the Apollos. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. So this is now in Macedonia. Paul and Silas. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. She persuaded us. So this is quite a hefty scripture going on. But throughout Act 16, Lydia is there, very present. Once we were going to the place of prayer where we met, where we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Remember, friends, this started from Lydia letting them stay at her house. Just saying. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrate sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Lydia was eager to show hospitality to God's workers, to provide a place to stay. And even after Paul and Silas were released from prison, she wasn't ashamed of them coming to her house again. Lydia was possibly the first European convert and now definitely not the last. I mean, we just saw what happened to the prison guard and his family. When Paul wrote this letter, wrote his letter to the Philippians, we can rest assured that Lydia was included in all the saints at Philippi to whom he sent his salutations. Philippians 1 verse 1 to 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I'll always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, that was a woman that started that, that invited them. Hospitality in the apostolic is so important. Lydia stayed in business that she might have the money to help God's servants and uh, in their ministry. Another woman mentioned is Phoebe. She was trusted by Paul to deliver a letter to deliver his letter. We can read about her in Romans 16, verse 1 to 2. Romans 16, verse 1 to 2. There we go. I commend you to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people 
and to give her any help she may need from me, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Another woman. Hey, amazing. Dear ladies, Jesus has never forgotten about us. The church in Sencria is about 13 kilometers from Corinth. So Phoebe was taking the letter from Greece to Rome. Quite a hefty task, I think. Therefore, my dear sisters in Christ, eagerly desire the things of the Lord. Eagerly have an attitude pointed towards the apostolic. To be sent or to host people, however it looks, in whichever season you are in. Now, a couple mentioned is Priscilla and Aquila. Also interesting that it's the woman's name first, just saying, and most of the scriptures about them. Let's look at Acts verse 18, no, Acts chapter 18, verse 1 to 3. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Paul lived with Aquila and Priscilla for about 18 months. In verse 18 of Acts 18, Paul sails for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila, but first stopped in Ephesus. So in verse 26 of Acts 18, they even explained that Aquila and Priscilla had the opportunity to explain the gospel to Apollos. In Romans 16 verse 3, Paul sends his regard to them as co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 19, the churches here in the province of Asia sends greetings in the Lord as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 19, they are still in Ephesus and Paul sends his greetings to them. Definitely a couple that seem to have gotten around, don't you think? Continued to work, continued with life, but their whole lives were orientated around the apostolic. Now, as a couple, the ideal is to go together. As a couple, you become one, one flesh, and God's mandate is still to go and make disciples of all nations. But that is obviously not always possible. So for the one staying behind, you have an equally, equally important job. Pray for your spouse and keep the house fires burning. Make sure you consummate your marriage before departure. It's the responsible thing to do. Now, as a community, we get to support those who go as well, those who stay behind. As Francis said, we should all have an apostolic attitude. It's part of our responsibility to look after the spouse and family saying, check in on them, invite them for a meal, take them a meal, help out with the children when they're in a full-time job. As part of the apostolic attitude, it's important for us, for every believer to pray. It is important for us, every believer, to orientate our lives around the apostolic, financially, time-wise, leave-wise, and to pray. We can offer to house it or babysit, 
so that the couple can go and do what God is calling them to do. Imagine children growing up in this as a norm. It's not abandonment, but where the whole family understands the apostolic. For both men and women, we can so easily get stuck just living in the natural, looking after home and families and jobs. The natural, in the natural, we so easily get caught up in the way the world around us lives. We can become all about our marriage. We're working on our marriage right now. Good. But that's a constant, I think. We, we, our children are our ministry now. Our jobs, we, until, until we get better in our jobs, until we get a more stable job. Our homes, our homes always need work, don't they? But we forget that God is still calling us to more. Yes, have a spouse, have a family, have a great job, but don't forget about the going. Don't forget about inviting people to stay with you either. We can't be so caught up in our lives that we only live for these natural things. Out there is still a world who needs to hear about Jesus and God wants to use you and me. Too often we say, one day when the kids are grown up, then, then we'll go. Or one day when I'm more established in my job, then I'll go. Let me first pay off all of this, then, then I'll orientate my life around it. Friends, it starts with our hearts. It starts with this attitude, this wrapping our heads around this idea that we are always called to go. And like I said earlier, it's not just about the nations. It's not just about other countries. It's about the church. If you have the opportunity to join someone going to a church for the weekend, or if you have the opportunity to go to another province, do it. We need to make sure these roles don't become idols in our lives and takes and take takes God's place. And that these roles don't replace his purpose for our lives. As Christians, we are first his children wanting to please him and living out his will. Our role and responsibilities within our families do not count as ministry. I'm going to say that again. Our roles and responsibilities within our families do not count as ministry. Yes, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. But it also says in Deuteronomy 5 verse 29, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me, and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Ephesians 6 verse 9 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And friends, this doesn't just count for Jeremiah. Before we were husbands or wives or parents or employees or business owners, God called us. We were first called to know Jesus and make him known. From this place, this place of knowing Jesus first, we get to be husbands and wives and parents that are raising their children in the way they should go. By setting the example, 
to know Jesus and to make him known. Jesus didn't just die for me to be a wife and a hairdresser and to go to church or watch church on Sundays or whenever it suits me. But it's from this place of serving him first and seeking his will for my life that I do get to be a wife and hairdresser, continuing to go to the nations or churches or provinces or cities or ladies' teas. That's what God is still calling us to. We need to continue to nurture this attitude for the apostolic for ourselves and our children. Now, friends, if this is new to you, like it was to me back in the day, or you just feel like this is way too much to handle, what about the kids in the house and the this and the that? It's not going to stop, let's be honest. These things don't stop. Even if the kids are out of the house, other stuff will take priority. And this is why we have to orientate our lives around the apostolic. This is why it has to be a hard attitude that we need to get right. But I want to remind you of the scripture that we are not doing this in our own strength, but it is by God's grace. And in team, we are not at this alone. Ask anyone, ask the Nadine, ask the Maureen, also their husbands, obviously. Ask Lisa and ask Cindy Ann that I mentioned earlier. They are doing this with their husbands, but there are times when they also go alone. They all have homes, all have children, all have pets. It doesn't stop. So when you do feel overwhelmed, just thinking about orientating your life. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Whilst preparing for this message, I really felt strongly that God is saying that we need to stop comparing ourselves. Oof, but I'm not like that person and I'm not as gifted as they are. Look at their gifting, look at their ministry, look how successful they are for the Lord. They are the chosen ones. Going to the nations are for them. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Just stop it. If God wanted me to be anyone else, surely he would have made me someone else. This God who continuously create different people all the time, never made copies. Think about that. If he wanted you to be someone else. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. The same spirit, friends, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you and me. It is the same spirit that equips us. It is the same spirit. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that gift us for the apostolic. He will send us to other churches, cities, provinces, and nations. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, we should follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. That is for everyone, for every believer. Eagerly desire it. Men, women, couples, singles, eagerly desire this. Verse 12 goes on to say, Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, 
try to excel in those that build up the church. Still, God's plan for his church. We need to continue to be faithful in what God is calling us to do. These gifts are not for us and our families. Friends, these gifts are not, not for us and our families. They are to build up the church. God has put leaders in place to anoint and send, and we get to learn from those who've gone. What a privilege. There's even 2,000 years worth of people who've gone before us. Don't forget that we are a team doing this together. And sometimes we are the house sitter or financial support. Other times we get to, get to host those coming. And sometimes we are the goers. But we need to always nurture this attitude for the apostolic. Jesus is coming for his bride. Are we ready, friends? Are we ready? Jesus' plan has not changed. How beautiful the apostolic that we do get to go. How beautiful that there's all these platforms that even in something like lockdown, we get to still reach places, cities, nations. How amazing. Michael participated in this conference that was from, I don't even know how many countries around the world on Zoom. And they did it. It was amazing. All the different people you get to meet, but Jesus still moved. The Holy Spirit still moved. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. And thank you that your plans have not changed for us. All believers are still called to go. Thank you, Father, for the different opportunities to meet people, different opportunities to go or stay or look after the families, Lord. But today, Father, I pray, help us to orientate our lives around the apostolic. Help us to eagerly desire the gifts. Help us to, to want this, that desire to want to equip your churches. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you do not call us to do this alone. Even you had your disciples, Lord. So, Father, Holy Spirit, I pray that we each and every person is right now that you will just flow in that room. Bring that joy again for the nations, for your word, for sharing your gospel, Jesus. For both men and women. Thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us. Thank you that you give us the grace to go and do this to even just start working this into our lives the idea of saving money for others to go the idea of putting money away not for holiday but to go to the nations the idea of saving up our leave to not just go on holiday for us and our families lord but the idea of saving up leave to go and minister to your people to equip your church to encourage others other believers Father, it is such a beautiful experience, Lord, and I thank you for the examples of Lydia, and I thank you for the examples of Priscilla and Aquila, Lord. May we, may we have that in our hearts, may we desire this for your church, for your bride, Jesus, as your believers, as your children. Father, I pray that you'll put new, new places, new ideas, new cities, new provinces on our hearts, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you equip us where you send us. That we don't go 
without words, without those things. Lord, you equip us to go. But Father, today we stand before you and we say, yes, Lord, send us. Use us, Lord. Father, I lift the children of these families up to you, Lord, and I, I thank you that they can see this and e equally e um, desire this, e equally eagerly desire this, Lord. Because this is the norm. This is what you're calling us to. It's just how it is. It's not new. It's not different, Lord. The capacity that you, you give us, Father, is much greater than we can ever imagine. So, Father, thank you for your grace on each and every person listening today. And, Father, thank you that you don't forget their children. There are so many people that we can look up to and see how it's done. Or we can ask. We can ask for prayer when we do struggle, Lord. But thank you, Father, that we can trust you today to just ignite that joy for the apostolic, that desire for the apostolic. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. I pray your blessing on each and every person listening, Lord, and I, I thank you that we get to go. Thank you that you've chosen us, Lord. But Father, today we say yes. Send us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.